0: This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family wealth and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching to learn more. Kids doing chores is a good thing. It promotes a family-centric mindset and shows them that when you work hard, you get rewarded. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three things. First, I'll be sharing why I think kids should do chores at home and some tips to help parents get started. Second, we're back with our FinTech Spotlight segment. This month, we're going to be featuring our sponsor, Monarch Money, a modern way to manage your money with couples in mind. Monarch Money's Natalie Taylor is going to join us to discuss the importance of financial planning for couples and how Monarch makes the process just easier. And last but not least, we are back with another money quiz with my daughter, Zoe. She's going to be reading the review of the month, and I'm going to be quizzing her on some money questions. We're going to test her knowledge, and hopefully you guys can play along with us as well. All right, let's jump into today's show. About five years ago, on a random Friday evening, I came home from a long day of work. To my surprise, I saw my five-year-old daughter, Zoe, vacuuming our kitchen. (laughs) I asked my wife, Nicole, what our little one was up to, but she was just as perplexed as I was. During the previous year, we'd been working with Zoe to do her chores every Saturday morning. But she had never taken the initiative to do them on her own. After Zoe finished vacuuming, she asked Nicole and I to leave the kitchen while she put away the silverware. She told us that she wanted it to be a surprise. We let this cleaning frenzy go on for another 15 minutes before we stopped her and asked, Zoe, why are you doing your chores today? She said, I love you and I want to help the Hill family. When those words came out of her mouth, my heart filled with such pride and love. Our little girl understood what it meant to be a part of our family. We don't just express our love through words. We express our love through action as well. Now, were the spoons on top of the forks when she was done? Yeah. (laughs) Did she vacuum every last Cheerio on the ground? No. But at five years old, we weren't looking for perfection. We were just looking for her to understand why it's important to help and how her effort means a lot to us. So fast forward to today, my daughter is now 11 years old and I'm happy to report that she's not only still doing her chores, but she's actually really helpful, extremely helpful. It's not just cute anymore. It's really, really helpful. (laughs) She knows how to wash her own clothes, dry those clothes, fold those clothes, fill the bird feeder, empty the dishwasher, take the garbage to the street, fill the cat dishes, vacuum the kitchen, and so much more. We are raising a responsible, family-centric, independent little girl. And I am so proud of her. And her younger brother is watching her, learning from her, and contributing in the same way. Now, there are so many benefits of kids doing chores at home. Let me tell you. With my Zoe example, I already shared some of them already, but here are some more. The first one, you are teaching them that being a part of a family means everyone contributes. Also, they learned the importance of teamwork and collaboration. You know how important those skills are for life, right? And eventually, their chore skills, they get better and better. And before you know it, you're a lot less swamped as a parent. And last but not least, while chaos may seem like the MO for kids, structure is what they really crave. According to the CDC, structure helps parents and their kids. Kids feel safe and secure because they know what to expect. Parents feel confident because they know how to respond, and they respond the same way each time. Routines and rules help structure the home and make life more predictable, end quote. With all the benefits associated with chores for kids... It appears to be falling out of favor in our society. I don't know why, it's crazy. According to a recent survey by Busy Kid, this is a FinTech app that helps parents manage the chore process. They found that while more than 90% of parents say they did chores as a child, only 66% of them regularly have their own children do chores. Hmm. Now, you know what? Honestly, that doesn't surprise me when we're talking about generational wealth. The mindset from parents might be something like this Well, I want my kids to have it better than I did when I was a kid. And so they don't need to do chores. I think this is the wrong mindset. And there's research to back up my opinion. A 75 year Harvard Grant and GLUEX study followed two groups of people. 268 Harvard graduates from the classes of 1939 through 1944, and 465 men who grew up in poor inner city neighborhoods in Boston. The study participants were observed for over 75 years. So what did they find? Here's the quote. The researchers found that those who were given chores as adults ended up being more independent better able to work in collaborative groups, and better able to understand that doing hard work means you're a valuable member of a community. Those are the types of community members that I want. Chores are good for kids. Now that I've made my case that chores, when done appropriately, are great for kids' confidence, independence, and just overall well-being of the family household, let's talk about how to get the chore tradition in motion. Now, helping your kids learn the importance of contributing to the household responsibilities, it's a big deal. That's why it's important to be in lockstep with your spouse on the chore rules and schedule. It takes teamwork and consistency from both parents to help Make this life changing tradition become a habit for your children. Here are some of the things to discuss upfront with your spouse. The first question What are the chores we feel are appropriate for our child? Next question Which chores should we pay for and which ones should we not pay for? And then, when is the best time and day to complete these chores based on our unique family schedule? Now, when we started this whole chore and reward program, Nicole and I agreed that Zoe and Calvin would both have family chores and money chores. The family chores are activities that our kids do as members of the family. Some of these chores include putting dirty clothes in the hamper, setting the table before dinner, clearing dishes after meals, and making their bed. Money chores, on the other hand, are contributions that go above and beyond the typical responsibilities of being a member of the family. In the beginning, when we started, Zoe would receive $1 for each of her money chores. And some of these activities where Zoe got cash was putting away the silverware, emptying the trash receptacles around the house, putting away her laundry after mom and dad folded it, of course, That's, this is when she was younger. Now, to give you some perspective, here's Zoe at five years old, in her own words about her typical responsibilities on Saturday mornings. Here's Zoe. What is this? A chore What are you gonna do with it?
1: Do all these chores to earn? The smile face, smile face,
0: smile face. So you get a smile face and on good those. good
1: job, and good job, and good job. And then mama give me a dollar.
0: Awesome. So if you do all three of those chores, how much money do you get?
1: Three.
0: Nice. What are you going to do with all that money?
1: I'm going to spend for an iPad. An iPad? Sweet!
0: Three dollars. Yeah. Let's see. How much. That's a lot of three dollars to get an iPad.
1: <laughs>
0: I love you. I love you today. Oh man, I am so proud of that little girl. At five years old and now at 11 years old. (laughs) Yeah, now in the beginning, we found that Saturday morning was the best time to complete those money chores with Calvin and Zoe. In the years that followed, we all agreed that after school would be a better time so the weekends could be set for total relaxation. But you do whatever works for your family. Everybody's situation is different. We do our best to stay consistent with a schedule so it becomes the normal way of life for our kids. Again, remember that CDC quote, routine, kids like routine. When our kids get home from school, they know that they have to complete their chores. They're used to it at this point. In fact, my 11-year-old doesn't require many reminders anymore at all. She is just very responsible and independent. My nine-year-old requires a bit more encouragement, but he's gotten so much more responsible over the last year and Watching a sister has helped a lot. Now, have we missed a couple days here and there? Absolutely, but overall, the regular schedule has helped our kids succeed and truly bring a sense of harmony to our home. Now, in the beginning when I was handing out these chores, I had a lot of trial and error. In the beginning, I would show Zoe how to put away the silverware and then I'd say, "'Okay, you've got this, good luck.' Then I would leave the room and do something else. That did not work. (laughs) Minutes later, she'd get bored or frustrated or just simply stop. What I learned, which is maybe obvious to most people listening right now, is that my girl just wants to be around me. She wants to spend some time with her dad. If her dad says that chores are important, then I should be doing chores too, right alongside her. When my kids are doing the silverware now, I'm doing the dishes. When I'm folding laundry, she's putting away her laundry. This type of system shows her the importance of teamwork and family responsibility. As our kids have grown up, they still appreciate seeing me work as they work. That's the true family teamwork. And really, when you see someone else working hard in life, you wanna work hard too. That's in our nature as humans. When your kids are young, you can easily make it more fun as well with a little effort on your end. Add in some music they like. My daughter is really into like the latest top 40 hits right now, but when she was younger, it was Disney music on repeat, man. Those jams helped her work and they helped her smile. If Zoe's in a great mood today, she even lets me play some of my favorite music. It's it's pretty rare, but she does from time to time. <laughs> we also had challenges with them in the past. We'd say like, hey Zoe, how quickly can you put away?" your socks and shirts. I'll time you. (laughs) You know the time you trick? It works every time. And when Zoe and Calvin were younger, every time they completed their set of money chores, I immediately did the following. I handed them the money in cash. I physically got down on their level and told them how much I appreciated their hard work and contribution. And then I'd give them a big hug. My kids are big fans of money and all that they can get with it. They must have gotten that from their their money nerd dad. After piling up their savings over the years, they've been able to save up for some fun things like their own movies for the car rides, different clothes, fidgets, slime, Lego sets, Roblox, Robux, video games, bikes, and even cell phones now and laptops. But even more than the money, I think they enjoy the recognition the love, and the attention they get from their parents from their hard work. Both my wife and I make a big deal about giving them compliments and telling them how responsible they are. Now, there's a competition between the two of my kids about how loud we say, you're so responsible. If we're louder when we say it for one of their siblings, then they get mad at the other one. It's it's cute. It's just competition. <laughs> hey, whatever works, right? <laughs> Now, a major key to household chore success is providing tasks that are simple enough to do, but are also helpful. That's the sweet spot. Here are some of the chores that fall into the simple yet helpful category. And I'm going to have a blog post that's going to show you all these in a list as well, if you guys want to click on that in the show notes. So here's just some quick ones. Ages four through five for family chores, wiping up spills, Cleaning up toys, setting napkins and silverware on the table for dinner, putting dirty clothes in the hamper, getting dressed without help, making the bed, putting pillows and blankets away before movie night. And then here's some money chores for ages four through five. Putting folded clothes in the drawers with help emptying small garbage receptacles around the house with help, raking leaves with help, using the small vacuum to clean the living room or the kitchen, and then washing cars with help. And then we can move to ages six and seven for family chores, maybe clearing dishes after dinner, bringing in the mail from the mailbox, feeding a cat or dog, cleaning their room, and then money chores, moving clothes from the washer to the dryer, and then maybe changing their own bedding, things like that. You could add on top of what we already talked about. And then we got ages eight through nine for family chores. They can help prepare family meals. They can put away groceries after shopping. They could load their own dishes in the dishwasher. And then some money chores, they could take the garbage and recycling to the curb, They could wash their own laundry, they could dry their own laundry, and they could fold their own laundry with some help, probably at that age. And then, ages 10 to 11, for family chores, they could bring in the mail from the mailbox, they could feed the cat or the dog, they could wash their own dishes. And then maybe some money chores add on top of that. They could take the garbage cans to the street. They could fold their own laundry without help at that point. They could empty the dishwasher and put away the dishes. And then 12 plus, age 12 plus for family chores. They can babysit younger siblings. They can walk the dog. They can empty the litter box for the cat. They could wash, dry, or fold their own laundry. And then maybe some money chores for your preteens and teens. They could wash the car. They could cut the lawn. They could rake the leaves. They could clear snow from the sidewalk or the driveway. These are just some ideas for you to consider, you know, everyone's family situation is unique. Obviously, you're not going to have your kid clear some snow from your driveway if you live in California. (laughs) So, modify the list and ideas to fit your kid's abilities and your family situation. And I'd suggest that over time, the things that you used to pay for eventually make their way to that family chore list. For example, when your kids are teens, perhaps they do their own laundry because it's something that promotes just good hygiene, planning, and helps them be a more prepared adult and not something they should be paid money to do. That's just a hot take from this dad. (laughs) In the end, kids doing chores is a good thing. It promotes a family-centric mindset and shows them that when you work hard, you get rewarded. If you're just getting started on this whole generational wealth and happiness journey and you need a guide, check out my new course called Make My Kid a Millionaire at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash course. It's got 10 in-depth modules on everything like what we discussed today, chores at home, to investing for their future wealth and protecting it as well and everything in between. Again, that is Make My Kid a Millionaire. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash course. All right. Well, enough from my side. I want to hear from you. What do you think about chores for kids? Are you just getting started or do you have experience with having your kids do work at home and contributing? Please let us know by sharing this episode on your social media accounts and tagging me on Instagram or Facebook at MarriageKidsAndMoney or at AndyHillMKM on LinkedIn. I would love to keep this conversation going. For our FinTech Spotlight segment this month, we are featuring our sponsor, Monarch Money, a modern way to manage your money with couples in mind. I've invited the former head of financial advice at Monarch and current advisor to the company, Natalie Taylor, on the show today to talk to us about financial planning for couples and how Monarch Money
2: can help. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's talk about this term financial planning. What does that actually mean? Is it more than just a
2: budget? Yeah, good question. A financial plan is definitely more than a budget. Budgets are really important and that's about how you're spending your money on a day-to-day basis. So it's important to track your budget, but financial planning is more forward-looking to make sure that you're moving in the direction that you want to because Not having a plan is a financial plan. It's just not a great one. Financial planning is about deciding where do we want to be in the future? Do we want to own a home? Do we want to expand our family? Do we want to not have to work forever? Do we want work to be optional at some point? If those are things that you want to pursue, then a financial plan is your path to getting there.
1: Got
0: it. Could you talk about the elements of a financial plan? I get the grand scheme of it, but what are the elements that make up a financial plan?
2: Yeah, so the first thing is to develop your goals and kind of get a sense of what do you want to accomplish? Do we want to be able to stop working in our 50s, in our 60s? What matters to us? Do we want to own a home or buy a larger home? And really getting clear on what are those goals that are important to you and when are they going to happen? From there, then you can prioritize them because a lot of times we can achieve all the goals, We can't just, but we can't work on all of them at the same time. So you'll almost always find that you're working on multiple things at once, but maybe not everything at once. So then there's some goal prioritization that happens. At Monarch, we recommend that you start with building your emergency fund, paying off credit card debt, and getting started on saving for retirement, especially if you have a contribution that your employer makes to a retirement plan at work. If you're not sure where to start, those are three really really good places to start. But a financial plan is setting those goals, looking at your budget and figuring out how much do we have to allocate towards the things that we want to accomplish, and then putting that on autopilot as much as you can. So working on the goals that sound fun to accomplish, that's kind of plan A. Plan B is making sure that you're protected even if things don't go according to plan. So that would be things like making sure that you have life insurance if you need it and disability insurance to protect your income, homeowner's insurance, auto insurance, all those kinds of plan B sort of things, maybe even an umbrella policy if your net worth is on the higher side so that you'll be okay no matter what happens.
0: I love it. Natalie, you used this word fun and then you also talked about budget. I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> How can a budget be fun?
2: <laughs> uh, good question. One of the like most tangible ways to make a budget fun Is to have a fun account. And I don't know if you've talked about this on your show before, but but that can be a really tangible way to make things fun. I know for my husband and I, we've been together almost 20 years. And when we first got married, we made a deal with each other that every bonus would go 50% to our fun account and 50% towards our goals. That was our way of like tangibly enjoying the bonus and making sure that we had fun, which I'm not great at, but my husband's really fun. And that we're making progress on our goals, which I'm good at. My husband, I'm a good help to him on that. So so having a fun account, you know, these days we fund our fun account every single month. And that's our money to use when we want to do something that doesn't fit in our normal budget. If you don't plan for fun, then it's always going to throw you off budget. So it's really important that it's a part of your budget. It's also important to have a boundary around it so that you can have freedom and flexibility and fun within that boundary and not feel guilty when you spend on fun things because you know you've done it intentionally and you know that you're intentionally putting money in other places where it needs to go as well.
0: I love that. Yes, we talk about it, but we don't talk about it enough on the show because I I fall into that category of goal setting and planning. But I think that moving our goals together as a couple specifically towards like, what do we care about the most? What do we want to be doing more together as a couple? How can we make this relationship awesome? That's fun, right? And if you can make your money work for you in that direction, that is uh, even better. Let's talk about some areas maybe as couples are starting to develop their financial plan or even just thinking about the things you brought up, where can they maybe make some mistakes in the process? What are some pitfalls along the way when we're talking about financial planning for couples?
2: I think one of the pitfalls is not getting on the same page from the start on your core values. So core values just means what matters to you at the end of the day. This isn't like a side of an elementary school that says like respect, integrity. That's not that kind of thing. Core values are really like if you had to make less money, what would make it worth it, right? For me, it would make it worth it if the work was meaningful and meaningful work is one of our core values. It would make it worth it to me if I could have more time with my family because family and connection is one of our core values, right? So core values are very tangible and they're the things that are most important to you and your partner at the end of the day. And so Starting there, I think, is really key as you look at any budgeting decisions or any goal decisions to make sure that they're in alignment with your values and represent your values. So I think that's a mistake that people make is they don't start there. I think another one is not balancing across goals. So if we think of there's kind of three kinds of goals, there's savings goals, investing goals, and pay down goals. Most goals that you'll have, financial goals that you'll have will fit into one of those buckets. And Having good balance in your finances often means working on a goal from each of those buckets at any given time. So I think one of the mistakes I see is people saying, well, I'm only going to pay off debt right now. And then once 100% of my debt is paid off, then I'll start investing or then I'll start saving in my emergency fund. And the truth is, we don't know how life is going to unfold. I'm old enough to know and to have seen for so many of my clients that Things unfold in all kinds of wonky ways, opportunities we never dreamed of and challenges that we never thought we'd face. And so by balancing across saving, investing, and paying down debt, that sets you up in a more resilient position financially to handle whatever comes your way. And it helps you move towards your goals as well.
0: I love that, Natalie, that's fantastic advice. And it also helps to have tools to make the process easier. So talk to us about what Monarch Money does and how they make the process easier.
2: Yeah. So Monarch Money is a personal financial management tool. So you can link all of your accounts from wherever they are. And one of the great things for partners is that we built it partner first. So that means that you can each log in. And even if you don't share ownership of an account, you can still look at everything in one cohesive picture. So you can put checking accounts, savings accounts, credit cards, mortgages, investment accounts. You can really get a sense of your finances as a whole. And then you can set up a budget or a plan for how are we going to spend, and you can track against that. You can be as detailed or as broad as you want, but it's a way to sort of be a command central or a dashboard for your financial life as a couple. And what we're building towards is the ability to, and you'll see some of this functionality in the app right now, the ability to, to track your progress towards your goals, to say, we're working on retirement and college for the boys and buying a new home and paying down a mortgage. You can set each of those goals and assign your accounts to each of those goals so that it gives meaning to your IRA and your 401k and your Roth IRA. You can add all of those up and earmark them towards your retirement goal so that you can think about your finances in a more goal-oriented way.
0: I love that. You know, you've got thousands of families on this app now from what I hear. How does it differ from something, you know, like Mint?
2: Yeah, well, there are some similarities. In fact, our CEO was the first product manager ever at Mint. So he was part of the foundational team that invented Mint in the first place. But I think what we're getting the opportunity to do at Monarch is to finish the work that I believe Mint never got around to finishing, to to go and extend beyond budgeting and be able to really help people plan for their future. Some other really key differences are that we are not ad supported, nor will we ever be so the experience is really clean. We are user first in every sense of the word. So we want to build what users need and we respect data privacy. And so I think there are some differences in in those ways as well. We also have a really active development team that is constantly adding new features. And I think that's a little bit different too after Mint's acquisition many years ago. I think things changed in terms of momentum towards making the app better. And Monarch, we're really in the weeds, working on it every day to make it better for our users.
0: I love that. Yeah, there are certain companies that maybe have had the stronghold for a while, and then they just, I guess they, re- they rely on that stronghold as opposed to continuing to innovate. So that, that's why I love about competition. It's fantastic because <laughs> it, right. the consumer wins in the competitive world. Talk to us about the cost, because if you guys say you're not doing you know, ads and things like that, there's obviously a cost. Talk to us about that.
2: Yeah, so it's either $100 a year or fourteen ninety nine a month. And so it's a premium product. And the reason that we don't give it away for free is because we don't want to have an ad-supported experience. We don't want to be helping you get out of credit card debt and then also selling you credit cards. There's just something fundamentally that doesn't jive for us in doing business that way. So yeah, $14.99 a month or $100 a year.
0: Thank you for being very real about a real issue in in our financial services world. I I appreciate that. Natalie, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you talking to us about the importance of financial planning for couples and then, again, how Monarch can help with that. Everybody, Monarch Money is a sponsor of this podcast, Full Transparency. They're a sponsor because I really like what they're doing. I think it's fantastic and I think they're bringing a great product out there specifically for couples and families as well as other people who are not in a, a family environment as well. If you want to support this show and support them, them and try them out go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash monarch money that's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash monarch money i'll put that link in our show notes natalie thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate it yeah thanks so much for having me it was fun As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. To keep the show running and to help your buddy Andy smile, I'd like to ask you to do one quick thing to support this show. If you like it, if you like the show, please leave us a positive rating and review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That type of feedback helps more people to find and consider the show. So to encourage you to leave a review, each month we do a book giveaway. So we received three reviews since our last book giveaway offer. And as a reminder, this quarter, we're giving away three different book options from past podcast guests. We've got Everybody Fights So Why Not Get Better At It by Kim and Penn Holderness. We've got Things That Matter by Joshua Becker. And finally, It's Not About The Money by Scarlett Cochran. And to help me pick the winner this week, I've got my daughter Zoe Hill here with me once again. I don't know why I have a southern Hi. accent. How's it going, Zoe?
1: I'm, I'm good.
0: We're going to do that money quiz first. Is that cool with you? You know the money quiz. Duh. Roll that music. All right, Zoe, question number one. After one very, very successful and fun season with your travel soccer team, the Jaguars, we're trying to decide as a family if travel soccer is worth it. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. And
0: as yeah, we... It is. it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's your opinion right now? Okay. And as we weigh the pros and cons as a family next week with our family meeting, remember we're going to have a family meeting? No. No? Why? My choice. Your choice? Yeah, my life, my choice. My life, my choice. Okay, cool. Anyway, on that note of youth sports, I have a question for you. What is the size of the youth sports industry in America, according to Youth Athletes United? Is it A, around $10 million? Is it B, around $10 billion? Or C, around $20 billion? C? C is correct. It is around $20 billion. The size of the youth sports industry in America is actually larger than the NFL, the National Football League. You know that football stuff I watch in the fall? It's actually bigger than the NFL. So it's big business. Anyway, so as we make our decisions, the industry keeps growing. Question number two. Research indicates that chores are good for kids, Zoe. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It helps them to become more responsible and more (laughs) helpful.
1: Like me, because I'm so poor like that.
0: That's cool. You are, and you're just going to become a responsible and helpful adult, and that is according to Harvard research. So what percentage of parents actually have their kids do chores in the United States? Is it A... A third, about 33%, or B, about two thirds, about 66%, or C, all of the parents. B? B is correct. It's about 66% of parents. I think it should be higher, Zoe, in my opinion, because I think it helps kids become more responsible and helpful adults.
1: Yeah, like me. Like you. It's really tiring.
0: It's tiring, but you also like the reward that comes with it, right?
1: I get dollars.
0: Dollars, yeah. Yeah. Mm, More than one, right? Yeah. What do you do with your dollars? Just so everybody everybody knows. Like for example, what'd you buy yesterday?
1: I went to a shop where like we had like the soccer party.
0: Yeah, and what'd you buy?
1: I bought stuff. What kind of stuff? Stuff.
0: You don't want to tell everybody about it? Is it personal? Never. No. Personal stuff. Yeah. Okay, fine. It's personal stuff, everybody. I don't wanna wanna push that too far. Question number three, last one. Here we go. Summer break, Zoe. It's coming up. Yeah. You're going to get a break from school real soon. Finally. And breaks.
1: I don't want to learn about multiplying like fractions with whole numbers, something like that. And it's like, show your work and explain. When am I going to show my work and explain like in real
0: life? Mm,
1: I don't know. I think multiplying when,
0: fractions, that's still, that's still a ability to maybe Yeah, but that. like
1: if you go to like a store and they're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this, the price of this Water bottle is one third times nine. <laughs> yeah, and that's make, true. Make make sure to show your work and and explain <laughs> with words, please.
0: That's true. You won't have to do that yeah. at the store. No, that, that you, good point. So on on that note, you're going to take a break from all that multiplying fraction stuff. And according to Cornell University Research, what benefits come from taking breaks from studying, Zoe? Is it A, it can actually increase your energy. B, it allows an opportunity for you to connect with friends more and boosts your social skills. C, it recalibrates your ability to focus in your brain, or D, all of the above.
1: D, all of the above. You are correct. One second. Yeah. So, You'll
0: get them all right. How did you do that? You got all three of them right. Again, you seem to get them all three right every week. It's pretty weird. <laughs> anyway, thank you for playing this little money quiz. Why don't we read the review of the month? We got three reviews, so maybe you can ask our electronic friend for a number between one and three.
1: Hey, Google. Pick a number between one and three.
0: Two. Okay, well, our second review comes in from Janene All right. She left or he left this awesome review. Would you mind reading that?
1: Learn so much. I've learned so much listening to this podcast. There's a lot of financial podcasts slash influencers out there, but very few that are family-oriented. So, this has been super helpful. Thanks.
0: Excellent review. Thank you so much, JanayNay73, and thank you very much, Zoe, for reading that and being a part of this family, or what did she say, family-oriented podcast. Absolutely, that's what we're all about here. We're about family and growing that family wealth and happiness. So. Janaina, I don't have your email, so if you could take a screenshot of that review, email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com. That would be awesome. And then I can send you one of these great books that we read out today. And everyone, if you want to be a part of this action with Zoe doing cool things, you can leave us a review, take a screenshot of it, email us, and Zoe's going to read it. But we got some new books next quarter. We got Make Space for Happiness by Tracy McCubbin. We got Money and Love, An Intelligent Roadmap to Life's Biggest Decisions by Abby Davison. And what's this last one here, Zoe?
1: Just Keep Buying by Nick McCulgee.
0: M- Majuli.
1: Majuli. It's a, it's a very yeah. cool
0: name. Majuli. Nick Majuli. Yeah. So do that, everybody. Leave that review in Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot of it. If you don't do Apple Podcasts, that's fine. You can do Spotify, take a screenshot of that. Just email me at at andyatmarriagekidsandmoney.com letting us know that you're supporting our Family Empowering Podcast. Zoe, thank you so much for doing this again. And you enjoy that cereal. Or you're out of cereal now, huh? Yeah,
1: it's not fair.
0: You need to get some more cereal in there. I do. All right. Let's fill up our bowls.
1: Okay, bye. Bye.
0: We are nearing summer, and I hope you enjoy this lineup in June to keep you moving on your family wealth and happiness journey. Next Monday, June 12th, we've got author John Strzelecki He's going to join us to talk about finding life's purpose. You know, just a small little conversation right there. It's a fantastic conversation from a fantastic author, so I hope you guys enjoy that one. The Monday after that, June 19th, it is our 400th episode of the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast. And special guest, Nicole Hill, is going to join me for another bread and wine. At least she said she would, so... (laughs) No I think she'll I think she'll show up for a big number like that 400. The Monday after that June 26th we're talking net worth growth and a marriage with awesome people like Erica Young, Chris Young, her husband and Lawrence Delva Gonzalez, previous guest and this collection of millionaires and near millionaires is going to inspire you to build wealth in your marriage. It's going to be fantastic. Thank you all so much for your continued support on this show. I am thrilled to say that we've gotten to 400 episodes or nearly 400 episodes, and I'm excited to celebrate with each of you listening as we cross that big milestone. So thank you very, very much. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Bob Keeshan. Parents are the ultimate role models for children. Every word, movement, and action has an effect. No other person or outside force has a greater influence on a child than the parent. Let's model the behavior we want for our children so that they can become smart, independent, and confident adults. Carpe diem.